Welcome to Many Happy Returns, where we aim to make you a better investor. I'm Roman. And I'm Michael. The war on crypto has begun. The US Securities and Exchange Commission charged Binance and Coinbase with operating illegal securities exchanges. These are the two biggest names in crypto, accounting for more than half of global trading. I want to know if this marks the beginning of the end for the Wild West era of crypto. And in today's dumb question of the week, what exactly is a security? Okay, let's get into it. So I think it's fair to say this was a big week in crypto. We've seen plenty of crypto exchanges blow themselves up in a storm of fraud over the years. But I guess this is the first time really when regulators in the US have said, hang on, we're going after the big fish. Not accusing them of fraud, but just of being illegal in and of themselves. Kind of been a long time coming, hasn't it, Roman? Yeah, I've been surprised at how they've timed it. I guess what they were thinking was during the huge rally, that's not when you're going to try and shoot down one of these companies, particularly the big ones. But now that we've had the kind of crypto winter when many people have become a bit disillusioned with crypto, that's the time they've chosen to go after these big companies. I think it is the time to make a move, isn't it? You don't want to be the killjoy when everything's going up and investors are actually making money. You want to do it when everyone's like, oh man, crypto's cost me a fortune. Then you go, well, we're going to sue it out of existence. (laughs) But I think if they do want some kind of innovation in this space, because a lot of the developers that work on cryptocurrency are some of the best developers, and they'll kind of spill over into other kinds of tech companies and fintech companies. So that talent, that pool of talent, is something you want to nurture. I don't think the SEC gives one damn about innovation in crypto. (laughs) They are not there for that, though, are they? They're there as a regulator. No, I think you're right. I think they don't care. I remember at the time of the meme craze, there was a huge pushback when they were saying, you know, you shouldn't have shut down Robin Hood so that people could lose money more quickly, even though, you know, it was clearly in people's best interest not to trade these meme companies. But look, I think the problem is really that the US has left it too long way after cryptocurrency became huge. I think the best time to have done it would have been when it was in its kind of early stages. Yeah, they've waited till a lot of people have lost a lot of money before they've stepped in. But I think the regulators, they assumed probably that it would never take off as much as it did. They probably also just had to take their time to understand it a bit. I mean, it is a whole new area of finance that's being built up over the last decade or so. They have done things in the past. So I know in 2017, there was the big crackdown on initial coin offerings, which at least sort of stemmed the flow of these new cryptos into the market. But maybe the point at which they should have stepped in was when they saw the kind of stupendous returns and the fact that it was growing very rapidly. So even in 2013, there was a 5,600% return for Bitcoin. And then again in 2017, a 1,400% return. And that made the market cap swell. And then suddenly it becomes more interesting for the regulators because, you know, that's money flowing into the asset class. But the interesting point here is this is the Securities and Exchange Commission. And they're very clear that Bitcoin is one of the only cryptocurrencies that is not a security for reasons we'll get onto later. So they couldn't step in to do anything about Bitcoin. But let's talk about what has the SEC actually charged Coinbase and Binance with? So the main thing they allege is that they violated US securities law by operating and running unregistered exchanges, broker dealers, and clearing agencies. Maybe we should unpick that a little bit. So a lot of this legislation has grown up gradually over the years, over, you know, over a century, when there was just scandal after scandal. Really, the goal of the legislation, if you can kind of abstract to a single prime driver, would be something like 
don't let these institutions work against the interests of the people who trade on them. So it's trying to keep this kind of misalignment of interests at a kind of minimum. There's always some kind of misalignment of interests between broker dealers and traders. Life finds a way. <laughs> well, finance usually finds a way. But this is just a way to mitigate those risks. So it's not just random people making up random rules. It's really there for a reason to protect people like you and I. And so as I understand it, there's two parts to this. The first is they're unregistered. So they didn't go to the SEC and say, we want to be a securities exchange. Here's all our paperwork. Can you check that we're in compliance? That's one part of it. And the other part is they're acting as exchanges, broker dealers and clearing houses all at the same time, which I think makes the SEC uncomfortable, even if they were somehow registered. So just to kind of pick apart what those things are, roughly, an exchange is like a company which does the bringing together of people who buy and people who sell. Broker dealers, usually that's a role fulfilled by investment banks. But what they do is to say, I'll make a market in this asset type. So anytime someone wants to buy and sell, I'll offer a buy price and a sell price. And then the clearing agencies are kind of third parties which ensure that the counterparty risk in one of these exchanges doesn't get too big. Now, most people aren't even aware of all the plumbing that goes on behind all the websites when you click on buy or sell for one of your investments. But these are the entities that would be involved. And there's a clear separation of roles between the three. And it's the idea that having these roles done separately kind of helps to keep everyone honest. And if something goes wrong, your broker isn't the one who's also fixing the prices on the exchange and custodying the assets in the meantime on the clearinghouse. Because you saw when FTX went down and it was everything, people lost all their money. So there are all sorts of dodgy things you can do if you're the exchange and you're the broker-dealer and you're the clearing agency. So, for example, you've got complete insight into what people are doing. So you can front-run people on the exchange, for example, or you can manipulate the market if you wanted to push up the price, you could buy lots of stuff. So there is the potential for that to happen if all of that stuff happens under one roof. And the other main point that the SEC alleges is that Coinbase and Binance were offering the sale of unregistered securities. And what they're basically saying here is that other than Bitcoin and maybe Ethereum, all the other cryptocurrencies are securities which should have been registered with the SEC but weren't. And therefore, no one is legally allowed to offer their sale in the United States. It's interesting that the complaints against Coinbase and Binance, the core of them is the same, but the way they're presented is different. So Coinbase is kind of the more institutionally friendly, compliance-focused exchange, whereas Binance is a bit more Wild Westy. And that comes through in the complaint. So Binance is also accused of commingling its assets, so keeping customer money in the same place that it's keeping its own money and the money of a trading company owned by its CEO, which is all stuff sounding a bit crypto-like, isn't it? And a bit FTX-y as well. Yeah. And I think the word yacht comes up. They bought a yacht somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a red flag. But I think the thing about Binance as well, if you read some of the legal documents, you know, it really was Wild Westy kind of exchanges going on in the background. I mean, they have accused Binance of things like wash trading and inflating their trading volume. Yeah, so wash trading, just to explain, is when you buy something from yourself, so it looks as if there's lots of volume, when in fact there isn't. 
and you can also manipulate the price that way. So this is yet another thing you can do if you've got a slightly friendly compliance department where you're paying their salary. Because when you put the two complaints against Coinbase and Binance side by side, you read them and you think, mm, what Coinbase has basically done wrong is it hasn't complied with the law to register itself. And it probably can't by the way the law's set up. Binance, okay, it hasn't done that, but it's also doing a few more dodgy things as well. I mean, I think it's important that we say that Coinbase and Binance have both denied all the allegations and say that they've done everything they can to comply with the law, basically. And then, of course, they gave it a nice crypto twist. So Coinbase issued a stand with crypto commemorative NFT. <laughs> Seems like, I mean, when you're getting sued by the SEC, doubling down with issuing an NFT. Yeah. The court case commemorative NFT. Yeah. Why would you do that? And Binance actually tried to play off the US regulators against each other, which they do a good enough job of anyway. So Binance said that the SEC's actions, I quote, appear to be part of a rushed effort to claim jurisdictional ground from other regulators and investors do not appear to be the SEC's priority. I have some sympathy with that point of view, because it does seem like the CFTC and the SEC and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority have all been competing with each other for who gets to sue crypto first. Do you remember that scene from Airplane where everyone's queuing up to beat up the person who's lost control? Yeah. I mean, this whole thing reminds me a bit of the last act of The Godfather, where it's just like the five families all get bumped off at the same time. The SEC's just gone for Binance and then literally the next day sues Coinbase. It's rich for memes, isn't it? So I think this is good in a way. This has got to happen at some point for cryptocurrency. It's got to grow up and it's got to have some kind of regulation in place. I think the big question is whether it's the same regulation as you'd have for, say, a stock market exchange or a stock market platform where you can trade different stocks. Does that apply to cryptocurrency as well? Yeah, that's the central question for all of this. I think there's kind of a few approaches, isn't there? One is that the current regulation we have just doesn't fit. And no matter how hard someone like Coinbase tried, they couldn't be in compliance with the law. So if you're not willing to change the law, then you're basically saying you can't be a crypto exchange in the US and deal with US customers. But the other approach is saying, well, if you look at crypto, as we've seen over the last few years, there's a lot of scams, there's a lot of Ponzi's, and you don't regulate scams and Ponzi's, you prosecute them. And that is kind of the approach the SEC is taking. I think from my point of view as an investor, what I really want is the peace of mind that if I'm trading some of my own money, you know, capital that I've worked pretty hard for, for something that I buy as an investment, really, I don't want things to stand in my way. I don't want high fees. I don't want to spend a lot of time doing the trade. But I also want a fair amount of confidence that I'm getting a fair price. And that price is driven by real market action, if you like, you know, real traders doing real trades rather than some dodgy market which is being manipulated. So I think from my point of view, I see this regulation as a good thing if it stops that kind of market manipulation and from markets discovering a true price. Well, this is the SEC kind of saying there shouldn't be a market. Well, I'm not sure, <laughs> sure that's what they're saying. I, I think what they're asking for is some kind of confidence that when the market is created, and when people do trade, that's what they get. They get a fair price, and it's not an easily manipulatable price. That's what they really care about, I suspect. Okay, well, let me just quote Gary Gensler, who is the head of the SEC. So he told CNBC, we don't need more digital currency. We already have digital currency. It's called the US dollar. It's called the euro, or it's called the yen. They're all digital right now. 
So to me, that kind of <laughs> indicating the SEC is not so interested in making the rules friendly to allow compliance. It's more like the law says this stuff is illegal. We're going to shut it down. Yeah, I think that's a bit extreme. I know. I, th- I think that probably what will happen is they'll cave in in some way, and it'll probably be political pressure that makes it happen. But if people want to trade this stuff, they'll find a way to do it. So I think the US has got to come up with some kind of legal protection for those people. And other countries have got to do it too. The Financial Conduct Authority in the UK has got to do something similar. I mean, if there was going to be an exchange in the US that was compliant, Coinbase was as close as it could really get. It is a US public company headquartered in Delaware itself. It's publicly listed on the NASDAQ. It went public in a direct listing in 2021. And what they say after this action, Coinbase says that the SEC itself approved them going public. So surely, implicitly, you're saying our business is fine. (laughs) Which is true. You know, I think that was a real mistake by the SEC to say, look, we've looked at your application, which listed all of their activities. So it wasn't as if this was a surprise to the SEC. You know, they said it was okay. They wouldn't have allowed it if they thought there was something questionable about the actual activities that they were going to be pursuing. I looked into this for a moment. Do you know why they allowed it? Is because in the disclosures in the S1 form you have to file to go public, Coinbase actually said there's a high degree of uncertainty regarding the legality of our operations and that regulators may disagree with the company's view that it was outside of the purview of the SEC. So it's kind of like they were approved by the SEC because they said we might be illegal. <laughs> it's a really strange situation. But what's odd is the SEC would have seen that and it would have been a red flagged part of the document anyway, the application. So how come they just said it would be OK? Because I think, well, it's probably a different department within the SEC, right? But also the purpose of the documents you file to go public are purely to explain your business and disclose any risks there are to investors. And as long as you've done that properly, you can go public as a stock. And one of the risks was the SEC might come for us. But look, if you said you were going to be conducting some kind of illegal business in your appendix, in the S1 appendix, surely the SEC would have said something about that. You know, they wouldn't have just said, oh, fine. Yeah, we might be prosecuted for our heroin dealing. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's the sort of uncertainty that was created by regulators and lawmakers where there was this grey area and no one really knew, I guess, whether it was illegal. And a similar kind of thing happened to some extent with cannabis companies, right? Where there was a disagreement between federal law and different states' law and companies are going public despite the fact they might be conducting illegal operations. Yeah, I guess that was, ultimately that was successful, wasn't it? So these companies still do trade. They don't trade at a very high price, yeah. but they still exist. But I used Coinbase for a while and, you know, it's a pretty good exchange. It was uh, very clear, beautifully presented, very easy to do the actual trading. When I looked at the fees, though, and the bid offer spreads, it was just criminally high. And that's something I really objected to. They were obviously gouging people in terms of trading fees. And it's not because it wasn't liquid. You know, the stuff I was trading was pretty liquid, but it was still a huge bid offer spread. Their revenues and their profits have dropped significantly, I think, since the peak of crypto trading a few years ago. But what I will say about the platform, which was great, was they actually let you do education about each of the different tokens, some of which have now been banned, and I'm sure we're about to talk about those. But they did explain how each of the tokens worked, what role it kind of filled, and then they'd pay you in that token for doing the training which I immediately, you know, sold, of course. Yeah. 
But I think that's a great way to kind of teach people about something. I want to learn about the US dollar. Pay me in dollars, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after this lawsuit was announced, Coinbase's stock dropped by around 20% over two days. And Moody's, the rating agency, downgraded Coinbase's outlook from stable to negative. I mean, I guess if you think there's a chance Coinbase could win in court and see off the SEC, then this would present a real opportunity to buy at depressed prices. So with Coinbase, they're basically now in a waiting game for the lawsuit, which might take a few years to resolve to know, can they carry on offering crypto trading in the US, which is, I think, 80% of their business. So it's kind of life or death for them in a way. But with Binance, there's some additional action going on. So the SEC has moved to freeze customer assets on Binance's US platform and force the repatriation back to the US of customer assets held overseas. So to me, that shows that the SEC is a little bit more nervous that Binance could do something naughty in the interim. So I guess from the point of view of Binance, it's going to be a problem having people keep their money with you or trading with you if they see you as a potential default risk. I think Binance's chances of winning the lawsuit are probably lower than Coinbase's. Because for one, in the evidence the SEC filed, they quote Binance's chief compliance officer in a message to a colleague. And he actually said, we're operating as a fucking unlicensed security exchange in the USA, bro. <laughs> Which... That's a bit of a red flag, isn't it? I mean, Binance have a history of just putting stuff in messages that they probably shouldn't have been writing down. Because it's interesting that they were actually sued earlier this year in March by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, who basically accused Binance of circumventing compliance controls. And the bigger thing was that they said Binance was not doing appropriate checks on customers' identity information. So they didn't really know who was putting money on their platform or trading. Because normally what happens is if you've got some clients trading with you, particularly big clients, you have to ensure that the money they've got is okay. It doesn't come from illegal sources. They're not politically exposed. You know, the counterparty is someone who can be onboarded. Know your customer, right? Yeah. KYC rules are really strict. So let me read an extract from the CFTC's filing. And you tell me if you think this meets know your customer rules. In February 2019, after receiving information regarding Hamas transactions on Binance... <laughs> Lim explained to a colleague that terrorists usually send small sums as large sums constitute money laundering. Lim's colleague replied, you can barely buy an AK-47 with 600 bucks. <laughs> and with regard to certain Binance customers, including customers from Russia, Lim acknowledged in a February 2020 chat, like, come on, they are here for crime. <laughs> Should you be describing your customers as here for crime, Roman? Does that mean know your customer legislation? Well, they knew it. They just did not trade with the customer. That was the second step they forgot. So they knew the customer, but they just waved <laughs> them in. <laughs> know your customer and wave them in, whatever they've done. So one of the biggies, if you're an exchange, is to stop these wash trades that we discussed earlier. And apparently the controls to stop that happening were virtually non-existent. So in the complaint, it says most notably from at least September 2019 until June 2022, Sigma Chain, a trading firm owned and controlled by Zhao, who's the CEO, engaged in wash trading that artificially inflated the trading volume of crypto asset securities on the Binance US platform. So it's very clearly laid out that, you know, the controls just weren't there. According to the CFTC complaint, Roman. 
Binance did engage a compliance auditor. And I can read what they said about that auditor in their messages behind the scenes. Quote, just do a half-assed individual sub-audit on geofencing to buy us more time. That doesn't seem like the best brief to give you a compliance auditor. But then in response, the Binance money laundering reporting officer, she said that she needed to write a fake annual money laundering report to the Binance board of directors. WTF. <laughs> That's the message. <laughs> I mean, they've got the bank to write here, Roman. It's just all written down. So when CZ, who's the CEO of Binance, was talking about getting around geofencing, one of the things he said was, give them a heads up to ensure they don't connect to us from a US IP, that's an IP address. Don't leave anything in writing. Let's also make sure we don't hit the biggest market makers with that email first. Do you have signal? <laughs> I just love writing down, do not put anything in writing. <laughs> let's, let's not keep a record of this crime, guys. <laughs> All right. So I think the general gist of this is it's going to be tough in court for Binance, right? There's a lot of evidence. Whereas Coinbase, it certainly seems as if there's less juicy comments based on our extensive survey of Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But the thing with Coinbase, I've read the complaint and it's basically just like you didn't comply with the rules by not registering with us. With Binance, there's a lot of other stuff going on. But I guess the question is, is it even possible to run a legal or registered crypto exchange in the US? I'm not sure it is, at least with the current approach of the SEC. Do you think that's because of the definition of what a security is? Yeah, so most of these things meet the test for security, as will come on later, and they've not been registered by the people who made them, so you can't trade them. <laughs> it's as simple as that. But why not try and register them? Well, it's not down to Coinbase to re-registering these other things. They don't control Solana or Matic, do they? I wonder if they could have some kind of wrapper that does do that. I know a lot of the people in the US who are into ETFs have been saying, these problems would have been solved if we had ETFs that could kind of wrap up things like Bitcoin, things like Ethereum. Yeah. If it works, it'll be Wall Street who jigs the rules so they can have a monopoly on it. But it would be very odd. You'd have to have some kind of indirection via a legal entity, and that would have to be held at arm's length from the actual trading company or the fund management company. I'm not sure how they do it legally. But certainly at the moment, it hasn't been approved, despite all of the applications for a Bitcoin ETF. And I think that would be a good thing, because if it did happen, then the trading cost for starters would be much lower. And that was one of my big bugbears with crypto, was the fact that you, know, you traded at crazy bit off the spreads. So if this is a war on crypto, you don't think it's a just war? I think if the legal requirements to list in the US aren't met, then... Maybe it requires special legislation. If it is the case that you can't legally trade this stuff, it's clear that people will just go elsewhere. So you're not protecting your citizens, which is the whole point of, of having the laws in the first place. So that would be my concern, that if they do ban it, it'll just go underground. Kind of like drugs, you know, this is the argument for legalising drugs. Yeah, I guess if it's technically possible, especially with decentralised exchanges, which, you know, if the SEC wants to sue them, who are you going to sue? Right? It's just computer code living on everyone's computer. Then it's going to happen. And this was the other big problem with crypto exchanges, which is, you know, where is it based? You know, what's the legal jurisdiction? And that's another thing which I don't like about Binance. It's been very kind of cagey in a way about where it's based. Everywhere and nowhere, I think, is the answer to that one. But, you know, there are times when you do want to have legal recourse. And if something goes wrong, 
you want to have very clearly laid down law. One of the arguments for companies to list in the UK is UK law seen as very good internationally. That's the way it's perceived by companies. So if it isn't based in a country which has good law, if you like, then, you know, I'd be reluctant to trade on an exchange. Interestingly, the UK's approach to cryptocurrency seems to be quite different from that in the US. So this might be one of the upsides in terms of the fallout of this clampdown in the US for the UK, which is that, for example, Andreas Horowitz has just said that it's going to move its crypto investment arm to the UK. So they're pretty big. They manage 35 billion in assets and they invested in Facebook, Twitter and Stripe, for example, but also Coinbase. And the head of Andreas Horowitz's crypto investments, this is Chris Dixon, contrasted the UK's thoughtful approach to regulating crypto with legal uncertainty in the US that he said made it tough to be an entrepreneur in the US. So are we welcoming them with open arms? Are we not a little bit sceptical? Well, the problem, I think, is that politicians are kind of falling over themselves to get people to invest in the UK. Beggars can't be choosers, I guess. So clearly Rishi Sunak was overjoyed that somebody wanted to invest in the UK, which he said was testament to our world-class universities and talent and our strong competitive business environment. I mean, maybe this is the way forward. Blockchain on Thames. But people were saying this would happen, that we'd become a kind of low regulation. Yeah, that's what I was hinting at. Singapore on terms is what people were saying, right? Yeah, kind of like Singapore is perceived. But there is a kind of regulatory rush to the bottom here by the sound of it. You know, wherever they think they're not going to have too much oversight is where they're going to base their operations. But it's also strange timing because Rishi Sunak was just over meeting Biden last week and sort of cozying up economically to the US to then go and say, we'll go in a very different direction to you on cryptocurrency regulation. I don't know. It's just trying to play both sides, isn't it, really? But we don't know what's going to happen yet. We still haven't seen what the regulation is going to be. The FCA has been dragging its feet as well here, and they may go down the same route as Gensley. You never know. It could happen. I mean, that's got to be the instinct of a regulator to say, we have our rules. You abide by our rules. We're the regulator. And I think the FCA is very keen on keeping very high standards, but there'll be political pushback. So it'll be interesting to see whether the FCA has the kind of balls to stand up to this political pressure, which is definitely going to happen, because there could be quite a lot of business that flows into the UK if we are slightly less strict or even very less strict on regulating cryptocurrency when this crypto winter ends, of course, because we're still in the middle of it. You know, we still haven't recovered. Yeah, I guess if we assume that the SEC wins in court, Now, that's not a foregone conclusion, but let's assume they win. The outcomes to me seem that either, number one, the US is so big and its regulatory power is so large that it just kills off crypto, basically, across the world. Or number two, like we just talked about, it effectively bans it in the US, but it moves to the UK and everywhere else and carries on outside the US. Or number three, Wall Street or some other clever finance person finds a way to actually run it legally and meeting the SEC's current rules in the US. So maybe it kills off Coinbase, but then you get someone who manages to do the whole broker-dealer, clearinghouse, exchange trifecta properly. Or number four, Congress doesn't want everything to leave the US and actually passes bespoke regulations for crypto. So it just changes the rules to allow trading in the US to continue. I think there might be a fifth option here, which is that if you look at the rate of evolution of regulation in the US or elsewhere, and how quickly cryptocurrency evolves. 
cryptocurrency is clearly the one which is going to move faster. So what might happen is that crypto might evolve into a kind of more regulatory friendly form. What would that mean? Well, it would mean, first of all, that you'd go for the kind of most stringent region in terms of regulation and create something which works in that place. And then maybe that would be accepted by other regulators elsewhere. So if it was accepted in the US, you know, there's no reason necessarily why it would be rejected in Europe. I just wonder what you're left with if you do that, though, because it seems to me that the whole point of crypto is a kind of regulatory arbitrage to be able to do financial transactions without a middleman, without the US being able to come in and confiscate your assets. So if you then just turn everything into bog standard financial assets under the purview of all the regulators, what is that? Especially if you talk to people who work in crypto, a lot of them are very sort of idealistic about what cryptocurrencies are meant to be. This would seem anathema to them. Certainly, if you don't want government to know about what you're doing, and you want to keep government's nose out of your trades and your investments, then yeah, they're not going to trade that asset, clearly. But I think there's another group of people who like the idea of the kind of technological side of cryptocurrency and the idea of blockchain and aren't so paranoid about government. For those people, I think, certainly, this would be attractive. Plus, you'd get the comfort of knowing that it was fully regulated and that they couldn't do things like wash trades behind the scenes and act against your interest. Rug pulls. Rug pulls. <laughs> yeah, all those good things. But that's the thing. If you clear out all the scams from crypto, you're left with like 2% of this crypto universe. <laughs> People can't get rich quick. It's the exchanges which are the really dirty part of the whole ecosystem. The cryptocurrencies themselves aren't necessarily the problem. You know, and all of the blockchains still work. Come on, Robin. There's 10,000 cryptocurrencies, and I'm willing to bet 9,500 borderline <laughs> scams. <laughs> Ponzi schemes, certainly. Some of them. You know, if they don't really add value, then yeah. A Ponzi scheme is a scam. Yeah, but if, if it's kind of, if you realize it's a Ponzi scheme and you're still willing to trade it, then you can't look at Bitcoin and not realize it's a Ponzi scheme, surely. There are pyramid schemes, for example, in America, which are pretty clearly Ponzi schemes, but people are still allow it to exist. Now, we mentioned financial education earlier. You can also get that via PensionCraft. And if you want to learn more about that, just go to our website, pensioncraft.com. OK, today's dumb question of the week is what exactly is a security? Now, it seems that this is at the heart of everything here. Because if you're acting as an unlicensed securities exchange, it's because you're trading unlicensed securities as well. And in fact, none other than Taylor Swift is very clued up to the fact that some of the things which cryptocurrency exchanges trade are unregistered securities. So when she was approached to see if she'd be willing to do a sponsorship deal, she actually said, can you tell me that these are not unregistered securities? This is with FTX, right? And that was with FTX, yeah. She's more clued up than most of the crypto industry. But what is the test? There must presumably be a test in law to say something is or isn't a security and under the remit of the SEC. So there was a Supreme Court case in 1946 in the US, SEC versus WJ Howey Company, dealing with tracts of Florida orange groves sold by a company which was called WJ Howey. And then those orange groves were then leased back to the company. And so this led to something called the Howey test, which has four parts. Hang on, you can't move on from orange groves that quickly. 
So did he win or did he lose the case? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no, really? I looked into it. He lost. This is where it all came from. So he was, yeah, doing a sell and lease back. But what he was doing, interesting, was taking money from investors, using it to develop the new orange groves and the machinery it all needed, while still maintaining operational control. But that's kind of like a real estate investment trust. It's a security, yeah. And then the distinction came out of that, the Howey test. So this is a four-part test. And the first one's pretty obvious. It's that it's an investment of money. The second one is that it's in a common enterprise. And number three is also pretty obvious that it's with an expectation of profits. And the fourth one is that it's to come solely from the efforts of others, i.e. not the investor. Yeah. And that was what did for W.J. Howey, I think, was that it was the Howey company that was doing all the running of the orange groves business. The investors were just giving the money and expecting it to go up in value. So it seems like it's quite a clear distinction, but I think there's wiggle room on each of those points. So number one, an investment of money. What's money? If you invest crypto into something, is that an investment of money? Number two, it's a common enterprise. Well, how common? <laughs> like how many people need to be involved and what is an enterprise? So a lot of the time you see in crypto, some like loose gathering of people working on it. Maybe it's open source even. Like, is that a common enterprise? Three with the expectation of profits. That's probably easier test. Like people are investing in crypto because they think it's going to go up. But there are some things called utility tokens where the aim is to pay gas fees or whatever it is on the Ethereum network. That's not necessarily the expectation of profit. So there's a gray area. And then four, which is probably the most controversial, is to come solely from the efforts of others. This whole thing about the reliance on the efforts of others is an interesting one. And the SEC's description of a security, which is laid out beautifully on its website, is really clear, I think. It talks about something called an AP, an active participant. And the big question is, does the purchaser reasonably expect to rely on the efforts of an AP? Now, what's odd about cryptocurrency is that the management often appears as part of the code. There's usually a governance token where these people who own the governance token can have a say in how the thing's regulated. So there is a kind of management structure there, but it may not fit the mould of what the SEC is looking for. So to be more specific, the SEC says an AP might create or support a market for the price of the digital asset. This can include, for example, controlling the creation or issuance of the digital asset or taking other actions to support the market price of the asset such as limiting supply or ensuring scarcity through, for example, buybacks or burning. So that's written broadly, and that covers a lot of cryptocurrencies. They often have this burning mechanic in there where the supply gets reduced over time, kind of like a share buyback. And that's the point. All these things are like, it's kind of like a dividend or a share buyback. Because when you think about what a coin offering is, it's basically a group of people who get together and say, we want to take investor money, build this coin, issue it to market, which we'll work on together, and then there'll be profit and your coins will go up in value. That's a stock. <laughs> By any other word, that is a stock. It pays dividends. Yeah. Staking is paying dividends, right? And if it quacks like a duck and yeah. <laughs> looks like... The SEC will sue that duck. <laughs> and they are ducked. So the SEC has laid out a non-exclusive list of coins which it thinks are securities. And some of these are pretty popular. So things like Solana, Cardano and Polygon. We mentioned Matic before. It's not the big ones, though. I don't see Bitcoin or Ethereum listed there. No. And this is a point which I kind of disagree with. Interesting. 
So I think the SEC is saying Bitcoin, it does not consider a security because it doesn't pass the Howey test. And the reason it doesn't pass is that it actually never raised public funds to develop its technology. It just developed it open source on its own and released it into the world. So point one, no investment of money. Yeah, I don't buy that. I don't really buy it because I suspect a lot of the money that went into developing the infrastructure behind Bitcoin, that came from the companies that were involved in cryptocurrency. So it's not a direct investment in the technology from the ground up. It probably started off as an open source project and then more funds came in because it became very successful. I think that's a kind of arbitrary separation. I think they've just said, well, we probably can't go for Bitcoin and Ethereum because they're too big. Yeah, I think that's part of it, isn't it? It's like they're too big, too established. You can't really take down Bitcoin and Ethereum. And also, who are you going to sue? You can't sue Satoshi. No one knows who he is. <laughs> you can't say you developed an illegal <laughs> security. To be honest, I actually do agree with the SEC here. I think there is a distinction between Bitcoin and these other ones, which are clearly issuing stock, but calling it something different. The thing is, you can generate a profit from Bitcoin by various methods for yield farming. So you can still generate an income, not directly from the kind of mechanics of the blockchain itself, but simply by lending. But maybe this is laying the groundwork for eventually having something like a Bitcoin ETF or an Ethereum ETF. Yeah, Ethereum, I think, is slightly less clear because it did raise money effectively in an ICO, an initial coin offering. But it's become too big, I think. They waited too long and the rules were so unclear at the time. It was before the big crackdown on coin offerings. I mean, this whole question of what is a security, what isn't a security, what are the rules? Let's be honest, it has been a big gray area. And up until recently, the SEC probably hasn't been that forthcoming with guidance to crypto exchanges about which ones are and which ones aren't. And so it kind of left them to their own devices. And Coinbase and some of the other crypto platforms worked together in 2019 to create a crypto rating council, the CRC. And the whole point of this was to try and do a survey based around the Howey test to come up with their idea of whether something was a security or not. And it does play quite a major role in the SEC's complaint against Coinbase because it shows that they knew that these things could be securities, right? Yeah. They were considering this. And they say in their lawsuit that Coinbase more than doubled the number of crypto assets available for trading on the Coinbase platform between late 2019 and early 2020. And then again, it doubled it in 2021. During this period, Coinbase made available on its platform crypto assets with high risk scores under the CRC framework it had adopted. In other words, to realize exponential growth of the Coinbase platform and boost its own trading profits, Coinbase made the strategic business decision to add crypto assets to the Coinbase platform even where it recognized the crypto assets had the characteristics of securities. So I think what the SEC is kind of saying is, you did a lot of this due diligence, and then you just went ahead anyway. <laughs> but the fact that it was a graded classification system from the Crypto Rating Council suggests that it's not very clear cut. Yeah, I mean, the Crypto Ratings Council sounds nice and official, but that is just the title Coinbase gave to this thing to try and give some sort of cover for themselves. But I guess the point is that it's also, you know, not binary. It isn't either a security or not. It's kind of security-ish. And ultimately, how does this get decided? It goes to court and it's up to the SEC to persuade the justices that this is a security. And I think this is probably all going to end up at the Supreme Court. And to be honest, about time. We need some clarity here. But the danger for crypto enthusiasts is that they've been crying out for years that 
We need regulatory clarity. But now they're going to be thinking, not like that. <laughs> it's always a problem, isn't it? If you ask for it, you're going to get it, and it may not be what you wanted. Thank you for joining us for many happy returns. Do send us your questions, no matter how dumb, at the email address mhr at pensioncraft.com. And do remember to check out pensioncraft.com for all the information about our membership and investment coaching options. Many Happy Returns is a Pension Craft production, co-hosted and executive produced by Romin Nakiza and Michael Pugh. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes and is not financial advice. We do not provide recommendations or endorse any decision to buy, sell or hold any security. We cannot be held responsible for any actions listeners may take and investors are encouraged to seek independent financial advice.